North Georgia is rich in folklore and legends from indigenous tribes and generations of Appalachian mountain families. My husband's grandparents were from North Georgia's White and Raven counties, and I have heard some crazy tales. I booked a cabin once in Helen, Georgia, and we took my in-laws. Unknowingly, the cabin was built on the old family land where they used to have a syrup mill. The creek they always talked about was on the property, and while that creek water was probably used for many things, the water was known for making the best moonshine around. Being caught running shine was how my husband's grandfather ended up in the army and serving in World War II. We could be heirs to a syrup fortune, or maybe a legal distillery, but my husband's great-grandfather was murdered by a traveler. They offered to give him a ride on their wagon, and he ended up stabbing the man and their infant baby. The baby survived, however, he did not. The family fell on hard times after losing their patriarch, and life for all of them changed. The view from the cabin showcased the gorgeous Yona Mountain. Legend has it that a Cherokee princess named Nakuchi fell in love with a Chickasaw warrior named Sati. Her father, the chief, and the tribal elders forbid Nakuchi to be with him. The lovers eloped to be with one another, and a war party from the tribe followed. They ran up Yona Mountain and threw Sati off the cliff. Nakuchi jumped to her death after him. It is said they shared one last embrace just before they passed. While that's an amazing love story that rivals Romeo and Juliet, many believe that it's not true. However, an area just outside of Helen, Georgia in White County is named Salty Nakuchi, possibly after the Starcross lovers. Nearby is the Salty Nakuchi Indian Mound. If you visit Helen, you will see it just before reaching the town. It's a large earth mound covered in green grass with a white gazebo. The legend is the couple, Salty and Nakuchi, were buried together in the mound to spend eternity together forever. However, in 1915, it was excavated and 75 burials were unearthed. These remains date long before either tribe inhabited the area. The findings point to an ancient Native American and South Appalachian Mississippi culture that was in the area from 1350 to 1600. The Cherokee Indians did use the mound for ceremonies, not knowing it was a gravesite. A village nearby on the banks of the Chattahoochee River was unearthed as well that included 300 homes. About 90 miles away in Cartersville, Georgia, lies more Indian mounds. This is a state historic site called the Etowah Indian Mounds. Etowah is from the Muscogee word Etowah for town. It was the home to several thousand Native Americans from 1080 to 1550 80. 140 identified structures were discovered on 54 acres. In the center of the town lies pyramid-style platform mounds, three large mounds. Mound A is the temple standing 63 feet high and encompassing three acres. Most likely, that housed the home of the chief. 
Mound B is 25 feet high and mound C is 10 feet high. Now remember, these are just mounds of earth, not the structures that were put on top of them. There are also three lesser mounds surrounding the area. The village was surrounded by a wooden palisade with guard towers every 80 feet and a nine to 10 foot deep moat drainage system. The village lies on the Etowah River where the tribe could fish and gather water. This is the largest intact village in the southeastern U.S. I have not been there yet, but I'm so looking forward to it this summer. In Dahlonega, Georgia lies a large pile of rocks in between an intersection. Stone Pile Gap is said to be the grave of Trelitha. Trelitha was known as a Cherokee princess who drank from the fountain of youth to maintain her ageless beauty. The warrior Wasega wanted to court her, but Trelitha rejected him. In his anger, he kidnapped and imprisoned the princess. She was on her deathbed and requested to be buried in the forest whence she came. Native Americans began the custom of dropping stones on her grave each time they passed for good fortune. As other cultures came to the area, they continued the tradition. The stone pile today stands over five feet high. Roads have been constructed in the forest, so the peaceful grave now lies at an intersection for all to see. The Fountain of Youth is thought to be nearby Porter Springs at the foot of Cedar Mountain. Rediscovered in 1868 by a Methodist minister, Reverend Joseph McKee, on the Porter's property, he tested the waters and stated they appear to be invested with extraordinary power by a beneficent creator adapted to ameliorate and heal nearly all the diseases incident to mankind, especially chronic maladies, which defy the skills of physicians. Porter allowed the ailing to use property around the spring, but it was used possibly hundreds of years or more before the late 1800s when a health resort was opened on the property. The resort was opened by H.P. Farrow, Georgia's district attorney at the time. He leased the property after visiting Porter Springs and having a non-healing wound from the Civil War miraculously heal itself. The resort prospered into the 1920s with a hotel, cabins, a ballroom, dining room, tennis courts, croquet field, and billiard parlor. It even housed its own post office. Porter Springs was named the Queen of the Mountains, and many flocked to relax and rejuvenate in the healing springs. After the pharaohs passed, the resort became more of a summer home for family. It is still undeveloped and some ruins from the buildings are still there. I'm wondering why that spring water hasn't been bottled yet though. I may need to find this fountain of youth. The Cherokee word for golden is Talonaga. And from this word is how the town of Dahlonega got its name. Dahlonega, Georgia is the site of the first major U.S. gold rush, but apparently the indigenous people knew it was there before the influx of miners. In 1828, gold was found by deer hunter Benjamin Parks, who tripped over a rock, 
two and a half miles south of Dahlonega. There was so much gold in Lumpkin County, it just laid on top of the ground, washing off the mountainside. After inspecting the rock, he realized it was full gold. Within a year, 15,000 miners rushed to the area. In 1838, a branch mint of the United States was built there to produce gold coins for the U.S. Treasury. They were produced there until 1861. In 1899, the Consolidated Gold Mine was built and was the largest gold mining facility east of the Mississippi at the time. I can say I've actually found gold in the Consolidated Gold Mine. The phrase made popular by Looney Tunes' Yosemite Sam, there's gold in them thar hills, was first yelled from the steps of the Lumpkin County Courthouse by Dahlonega Mint Assayer Dr. M.F. Stevenson. Once gold was discovered in California in 1848, many miners from Dahlonega wanted to head to California where they were told they could find even more gold. To stop all the miners from leaving town, there's gold in them thar hills was shouted in reference to the Lumpkin County Hills. Not all the gold has been discovered in Dahlonega. You can still pan for gold in the stream beds with no permit or special permission if only using a shovel and pan. Maybe you'll strike it rich finding a big nugget. The gold there was close to 24 carats, which is 100% purity. Today, gold is valued at $1,921 per ounce. So I may have a summer project for the kids. Near Blairsville, Georgia, in the Chattahoochee National Forest, there are six large table-sized soapstone boulders that are covered with petroglyphs depicting animals and human tracks. A petroglyph is a rock carving. The preserved petroglyphs are from ancient Native Americans that archaeologists have speculated dates from the Archaic period, 8,000 to 1,000 BC. The boulders have hundreds of animals and bird tracks, crosses, circles, and human footprints carved into them. Cherokee stories state that the carvings were from hunters who entered the gap during a great hunt when animals were driven there. The tracks were made when the animals were leaving the great canoe after a flood almost destroyed the world and while the earth and rocks were still soft. I wonder if these really are prints from animals on Noah's Ark. Most people in the area believe these petroglyphs were created in mud and then the boulders hardened and they remain today. No one is sure what the symbols mean or if they were just doodling, but it's amazing to see any sort of drawings from such a long time ago. This is the most significant findings of ancient petroglyphs in the Southeast. In Blue Ridge, Georgia, there are tons of magical fairy crosses. The crosses are stones called starolite, a combination of silica, iron, and aluminum. The crosses are formed by a crystallization process that causes the starolite to crystallize at 60 to 90 degree angles, forming a cross. These minerals were formed as the Appalachian Mountains were rising and are only found in rocks once subjected to great heat and pressure. The stones were formed seven miles under the Blue Ridge Mountains. 
Many have believed fairy crosses could be magical and bring good luck. Even the great Thomas Edison and Theodore Roosevelt possessed and believed in the powers of the stones. There are two legends surrounding these crosses. The stones were formed as tears rolled off the cheeks of Native Americans and fell to the ground as they began their journey on the Trail of Tears after being forced to leave the area. Another tale claims they were formed from the tears of fairies that lived in the mountains. A messenger fairy came to deliver the news of their Lord and Savior being crucified. The fairies wept and their tears crystallized into the stones. It is said that Pocahontas gave John Smith a good luck charm necklace made of a fairy cross. The stones are found along the mountain range in Virginia, North Carolina, and the largest deposits are found in Fannin County, Georgia. Outside of these states, they are only found in New Mexico, Brazil, and Switzerland. There are three main stones. The Maltese cross is the most sought after, well-formed, perfectly even, and T-shaped cross. However, most are like the St. Andrew's cross, an X-shape or the prismatic cross that is not so perfect but still crossed. For many years, people have used fairy crosses as good luck charms or to ward off evil, witchcraft, or general protection. Fairy crosses have also been used in some of the crown heads of Europe. These are just a few stories from North Georgia. The area is so rich with stories, legend, and folklore. So many indigenous tribes have called North Georgia home, as well as the influx of Scotch-Irish who set up homesteads in the mountains. So much family history lies in those hills, and I'm sure some of the legends have some truth to them. it's Jen. Thanks for listening to some of the stories that I've heard through the years about North Georgia. We love visiting North Georgia. It's not too far from us, about two hours, and there's so many unique places up there and lots of legend and folklore. Send me a message with your favorite story from North Georgia or let me know of another place you'd like to hear about or any other legends or folklore that sound interesting to you. Stay tuned and we'll see what we have to talk about next. Thanks, guys.